Hudson Taylor, who was the founder and the missionary of uh, Inland uh, Mission China, uh, China Inland Mission, um, he, he went to China in a day uh, where uh, it was incredibly risky to go to China. And he integrated faith and risk when he made this statement. Unless there's an element of risk, unless there's an element of risk in our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. Unless there's an element of risk in our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. It's quite a drastic statement, but it's true. It's true. You see, we kicked off a series last week, and we're we're walking through Hebrews chapter 11 and learning what faith is all about, but really um, coming to the understanding in this series that we're calling Life Without a Net, that um, faith exercised and faith exemplified and faith really kind of worked out in life comes at the intersection when God is leading us and when we have a choice to make. We all have different ideas of what faith is. We might even have different definitions of what faith is. And last week what we discovered in in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1, 2, and 3 is is that uh, faith really truly is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That at the end of what we can find that logically makes sense about God and the story of God redeeming mankind, at the end of that comes a place where you and I take a step, and that step is a faith step to trust that the story is true, to trust that God is God and that he decided to save the world by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross so that we could have the forgiveness of sins. And he died um, and was raised back to life three days later so that we could have new life with God one day when we're in heaven, eternal life with God one day when we're in heaven. But we talked about the fact that there's this idea of, of, of a faith that's like a saving faith where we come to the point where we ask Christ to be our Savior, or at least we come to that intersection, and some of you have made that choice and some of you haven't. I hope that you would over the course of this, these next few weeks. And last week we had many people who made that decision, which is awesome, and it's what we're all about here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. But at some point in time, once you've made that decision, then there are many little decisions along the way that come when God is leading you, when he's speaking to you, when his word is jumping off the page, when you're feeling conviction, when someone speaks into your life and tells you something that can only come from God, when your steps are arranged in a way that can truly only be the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. Faith comes when that's happening and when you and I have a choice to make. And as we're going to see in Hebrews 11, we're going to start today by looking at the first three characters, these heroes of the faith that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. They had choices to make along the way too. Some of them you're going to see were drastic choices. Some of them were choices that really make no sense whatsoever. And so today we begin this journey. Well, we began it last week by defining faith, but we begin the journey of looking at the lives of these people who had such an impact in the Old Testament, in terms of the things of God. And so today we're going to look at these first three. We're going to be taking a look at Abel, as in Cain and Abel. And we're going to be looking at Enoch. And we're going to be looking at Noah as we discover, I believe, what God has for many of you and for me and for us as a church 
as we embark on this thing of faith. And I got to tell you, at some point in time in our faith walk, you and I are going to have to do something. And that's what these three men had in common. At some point in time in our faith walk, in our journey with God, we are going to come to a crossroads where you and I are going to have to make a decision. And the question that we're going to have to ask is, am I willing to risk something of value in my life for the cause of Christ? Am I willing to risk something to be a person like Abel, like Enoch, like Noah, who gave up something of themselves and risked something that they valued to be faithful followers of God? Let's check out Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to be in 4 through 7, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your devices, you can be on your devices, totally fine. I trust you're not playing games. Hey, have fun if you want to. Anyway, all right, so anyway, um, we're going to be in Hebrews 11. We're going to also bounce back to Genesis chapter 4 and 5 and 6 today as we look at these three lives, and by the way, these three names are listed, and these Three people are given uh, some, some focus here in the first part of Hebrews chapter 11 in this hall of faith as we're looking at. Um, and they come kind of in the same like vicinity in the order that they're listed in terms of, of uh, where they came in history. And so we're going to see that these kind of are grouped together all the way back in Genesis, back in Genesis uh, 4 and 5 and 6. And so let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 11 as we take a look at verses 4 through 7 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events not or, uh, yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by Faith, And so here we have our first three heroes of the faith. We have Abel, and we have a man by the name of Enoch, and we have a man by the name of Noah. Now, most of you, I understand, probably know at least one of those three names. And probably a lot of you know two of those three names, and some of you might know all three of these names. But we're going to be taking a quick look at these characters, and my prayer has been all this week and lead in the weeks leading up to today's message is that you and I would... would really ask God to reveal what area of our life that right now we're unwilling to risk for him, that he's asking us to risk for him, and be people of great faith, just like these three characters. Let's take a look at the first one, Abel. Hebrews 11:4 4 says, By faith, Abel offered to God 
a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteousness. God commending him by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Now, um, what in the world do we know about Cain? Who, who do we, or excuse me, Abel? What do we know about Abel? What are the things that like, we generally know about Abel? What is he known for? Abel was known as Adam and Eve's second son. So you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, and I'm going to have you turn there this morning. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, and we find out that this guy by the name of Abel was the second son born to the first two humans. They had two sons, or at least they did initially, Adam and Eve did. They had one, and his name was Cain, and the other's name was Abel. And if you grew up studying you know, the Bible stories, if you did, um, you know the story about Cain and Abel. Let's read it here in Genesis 4, 1 through 8. Now, Adam knew his wife Eve. We all know what that means. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've got a man with the help of the Lord. So she had a son. His name was Cain. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. Verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Look at verse 4. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flocks. He brought of the firstborn of his flocks and of their fat portions. We're going to come back to that in a moment. You're going to see why it's highlighted and underlined here in a moment. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain, his offering, he had no regard. And thus began the first sibling rivalry ever in the history of human beings. Am I right? And it was over something that God, the creator of the universe, the giver of life, the taker of life, the one who is in charge and who is sovereign, and that's what Hebrews is all about anyway, all of a sudden, we see that they begin to fight and quarrel over something that God was trying to communicate that pleased him. And so we see that in verse 5. Cain was very angry, and he fell on his face. Or his face fell, excuse me. Verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. In verse 8, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. And so the first sibling rivalry in all of humanity ends with the first murder in human history. And Cain killed or slayed his brother Abel. Now, we don't know too much more about the story of these brothers, but when you if you've studied scripture at all and you hear the story of Cain and of Abel, um, you, you might think a few things of Abel. Number one, um, he was one of the first sons. He was one of the first two people um, that were born of, of Adam and Eve. And so that's what he's known for. And he was known for the, the one who died at the hands of his brother. He was the first person in human history that was murdered. And he was murdered by his brother. 
But Hebrews chapter 11, which is an account of all the people in the Old Testament or a group of people in the Old Testament that had great faith, doesn't mention the fact that he was killed by his brother. It doesn't mention the fact that he was the second son born in human history, the second person born in human history. It says that he was acclaimed or given credit because of his great sacrifice. By faith, Hebrews 11 verse 4, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. And then he was commended, it was commended as righteousness, God commending and accepting his gifts. So he was known for what he brought to God. Now, let's take a look at what he brought to God. In, in Genesis chapter 4, we saw in verse 4 that Abel brought the first, the firstborn of his flocks and their fat portion. Now, why in the world is this significant? Why in the world does this matter? Why was God so pleased with Abel, and why was he pleased that he brought him this part? Well, a couple things. In that day and age, the firstborn of the flock was considered the best of the flock. And so he brought that to God. He brought, don't miss this, he brought his absolute best to God, but he also brought the fat portion, which was the best portion of the sacrifice to God. You see, Abel understood that the God of the universe, the God that had created him and created his brother and his mom and his dad and all the things around him, was deserving of the most excellent thing that he could bring to the Lord. That God was deserving of the top thing, the absolute best. And so he understood the idea that faithfulness to God meant bringing the very best to God. And so Abel was commended for that. He wasn't commended because he was the first person that was murdered. His faith was found in that he brought an excellent offering to God. Now, um, Where's the risk in that? Well, here's the risk in that. Um, he could have taken that for himself. He could have taken the firstborn of all of his flocks for he and his family. He could have taken the fatted portion of, of the flocks and he could have saved that for his family. And I don't know about you, I love steak. And I've talked about it before. My favorite steak is a ribeye. And you know why a ribeye is so good? Because of the fat, am I right? Yeah, I love that. Oh, that marbled portion of that. Oh, those th big, thick, you know, one-inch ribeye thrown on the grill. Oh, man, that is awesome. You guys hungry yet? A little, little salt and pepper, a little garlic. If my kids are eating it, no pepper. They don't like the peppers, but that's all right. Okay, so, you know, grilled to a nice, medium, rare. Oh, man, that's awesome. Y'all are like, get done with the service so we can go to lunch. That would be awesome. It's the same thing back then. It was the best. It was the best. You see, the firstborn of the flock and the fatted portion of all of his flocks would have been something that would satisfied, would have satisfied Abel. It would have satisfied his family. It would have been something that they could have like held back so that they could have, like, let's put it in the freezer. Well, they didn't have a freezer back then, but let's you know put it aside so that we could have it for a special occasion. A nice meal when we have people over. You see, Abel understood that faithfulness was tied to a willingness to risk 
satisfaction. He was willing to risk his own satisfaction, perhaps the satisfaction of his family, for God. Because he understood his place with the Lord. He understood that God was in control, that he was the creator, that he was sovereign, that he was Jehovah, that he was the one that deserved his very best. And I wonder if you and I miss that sometimes. And we scramble and we bring God what's left over. We bring him like the sirloin of our lives or maybe the ground meat of our lives in many cases. And I'm not talking about offering. I'm talking about all that you give to God. Whether it's your life, maybe your health, maybe your service, maybe it is your money. Maybe it's something in your life that you know that you've held back for you and for your family because you know that one day that will satisfy you. And it probably will. For sure it will. You know, understanding at some point in time that our faith walk is at this intersection of God's leading and our choice, at some point in time, we're going to have to be willing to risk our own personal satisfaction to be people who are faithful to God. And that's what Abel demonstrates. The second one, this is my favorite one, Enoch. I love this. We don't know a lot about Enoch, but look at verses 5 and 6 of Hebrews 11. I'm going to skip down. Um, He was taken up so that... uh, He should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having, say those next two words with me, he was commended as having what? Pleased God. And then the writer of Hebrews, God tells us, he goes on and he says, without faith, it's impossible to please him, that whoever draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so we see there um, in, in several different cases that what Enoch did was he, he drew near to God. He came close to God. In fact, it's mentioned twice there in verse 6. He rewards those who seek him. He drew near to God and he sought God out. And so Enoch was this man back in the Old Testament. We read about him in Genesis 5. Let's take a look at Genesis 5. Uh, Check this out. When when Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived um, after he had fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared, who was Enoch's father, were 962 years, and he died. Verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. And Enoch, verse 22 says, walked with God after he followed Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch's were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Now, some notables about Enoch. Um, he was one of, he was very close in, uh, in proximity to uh, the first family there. It wasn't too many generations past uh, Cain and Abel that we just read about, and Adam and Eve. Um, he did not die, which is really an interesting thing. God took him. He was one of two people in Scripture that didn't die. The other was Elijah. The um, the Scripture records that Elijah went to be with God. He didn't die. 
And Enoch is interesting because I believe that God rewarded his faithfulness. We're going to talk about what that means in a moment by not allowing him to go through the suffering and the pain of death. Would that be nice? Like you're so faithful to God that he just says, hey, come on with me. You don't have to go through the end. That would be nice, right? Only happened to two people in all of human history. And I believe that God saved that reward for two people who did amazing things, heroic things, things of great faith, and Enoch is one of them. He, his father, Jared, was the second oldest human to ever live. Jared lived for 962 years. Methuselah, his son, lived for uh, 969 years. He was the oldest person to ever live. And, and so we have the, the record of this man named Enoch, and we don't know much more about him. But we can find out some things because between Hebrews 11 and Genesis chapter 5 there, we see that he was commended and that he was pleased. Um, he pleased God because of his faithfulness. And it says that he drew near to God, that he sought God out, and, that, and twice it says that he walked with God. You know what that tells me about Enoch? Is that his faithfulness wasn't tied, please don't miss this. His faithfulness was not tied to behavior. His faithfulness was not tied to a list of do's and don'ts, and it wasn't tied to some kind of spiritual etiquette. It wasn't tied to how many verses he knew and how, how much he could quote Scripture and how much he, he understood. Enoch's faithfulness was tied clearly to his desire to be close to God. And when I read the account of Enoch, I get this impression that at 65 years old, something happened, and it was the same time that he had his son, whose name was, name was Methuselah, um, that all of, a something, all of a sudden, something happened in his life, and he became a faithful follower of God. Certainly not perfect, because we know there was no one perfect, but he was incredibly faithful. And the thing that we see, that I can see, that I can take from his life, is that God honored him because of his desire to be close to God. He drew near to him. He sought him out. He walked with him, and he walked with him. And because of his willingness to be close to God, he was regarded as a faithful hero. He was regarded as a faithful hero. Not because of what he did, not because of what he didn't do, but because he wanted to be close to God. You see, God is much less concerned about our behavior to him than he is our closest, closeness to him. He is much less concerned about our behavior towards him. And as we'll see in some of these other examples, there is a behavior part of faithfulness. But he's much more concerned. I don't want you to miss this. He's much more concerned about you desiring to be with him and me desiring to be with him. Behavior will follow that. Behavior will, will follow closeness to God because we read that Enoch was a faithful man and that God spared him death because he was so close. You see, Enoch's faith was found in his closeness and his faithfulness to God. And I believe that what Enoch risked was his own personal desire. If he was a man who sought God out, if he was a man who wanted to be near God, if he was a man who walked with God, and yes, he actually walked with God, and there's a difference, but you know there's really not because God wants to have a relationship with you that's just like Enoch. 
where you're doing everything you can and I'm doing everything I can to get close to God. And so often, we just want God when we're in trouble. We just want God when, he, when we need him to come through for us. Or we want God when things are going bad, when the finances are terrible, when the family situation is upside down, when we are in crisis. We, we want God and we need God. And Enoch shows us that faithfulness comes when throughout the course of our life, we want to be close to God. And I believe what he risked was his own personal desire. He had to put his own personal desires aside to be someone who is close to God. And so we see that Abel sacrificed his own satisfaction and Enoch sacrificed his own personal desires. And then we come to Noah, the last of them. We'll just spend a moment on Noah. It says here in Hebrews 11, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This, this man was the ark builder. This was the man that, that built this monstrosity, this huge building that would float. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a boat. It wasn't a seafaring vessel. It was a monstrosity, a huge, huge monstrosity. My, my dad just went to see the ark uh, exhibit up in uh, Kentucky, and um, he says it's just amazing. The size of it is overwhelming. And I'm hoping to take our family there uh, sometime this year. And I want to encourage you to, to do the same, um, just to see the monstrosity that Noah built, that God instructed um, Noah to build in, in a land that to that point had not ever had rain. And he instructed him to build this ark because he was going to destroy the world with a flood. Can you imagine Noah's neighbors when he's building this thing? Have you ever seen that house in your neighborhood that you're like, oh, man, that does not fit in here. <laughs> like, these are all homes for common people, and all of a sudden, this guy took this big piece of land, and he built a mansion. Really? Noah was building a building that would float in a flood on an earth that hadn't experienced rain. People, I'm sure, thought he was crazy, and God gave him the exact specifications, and he built it exactly like God told him to. And in each case, he obeyed God, and he followed God, and I would imagine that the ridicule was merciless. I know it would have been for me, I'm sure, with all of my friends. What are you doing, Noah? Are you crazy? You're insane, man. Genesis 6 9 and 10 says, the generations of Noah, Noah was a righteous man, he was blameless. And what did he do? He walked with God, just like Enoch. And he had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, great names for sons, by the way, if you're having triplets, all right? <laughs> just a thought. <laughs> and God decides to flood the earth, and he tells them to build this thing, and look at verse 22. Noah, what did he do? You can say it with me. He did all that God commanded him. And look at verse, uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And the Lord told Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And what does verse 5 say? And Noah did all, did all that the Lord had commanded him. You see, this was a man who was known for his faithful obedience to God. 
And Noah's faith was found in that radical obedience to God, that obedience to God that he would have been ridiculed for, he would have made fun of. And so Noah risked his reputation for God. He put his reputation on the line to be obedient to what God was telling him to do. And I wonder if I would have done the same thing. I wonder about you if we would have done the same thing. We've had a couple tropical storms, a surprise one, go through here last week. And, um, you know, we, we all kind of get ready when there's a big hurricane or tropical storm. In fact, my first year living here, I mentioned hurricane because I grew up in Florida and they came all the time. So it was reality. And somebody rebuked me for saying the word. And, and this person had lived here for a long time. It was like, we don't say that word around here. Oh, my goodness. I learned from my mom. Man, if there was an ice storm in Atlanta or a hurricane down in Florida, she'd fill every bathtub in the house with water. I mean, if it looked like it was going to rain, she would fill it. You know, she was that kind of person. We prepare for storms. <laughs> but do we follow God? Do we truly follow God? You see, Noah made the decision that he would follow God. Abel risked his satisfaction. Enoch, his own desires. Noah, his reputation. And they all did it, and they were faithful for it. You see, the centerpiece of all three of these great characters of God was that they were willing to risk something of great value to get close to God. You know, you and I, um, at the crossroad of God leading and our choice, we'll have the opportunity to demonstrate great faith and exhibit great faith through our willingness to risk our own personal satisfaction, our own desires, and even our reputation for God. But my question to you this morning, I want to leave with you, is are you ready to take the risk? It's been a tough question for even me to answer over these past few weeks as I've been studying this and preparing for this because I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I would risk my own personal satisfaction for God all the time. I'm not sure that I would risk my own desires for him, the things that I want to do. I'm not sure that I would risk my reputation to be obedient to God. But, you know, that's where faith is found. Here in a moment, I'm going to pray. And I've asked some of our elders, if you're an elder in here, and uh, part of our stewardship team or, or prayer team, I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and come on up front right now, if you would, um, and just stand right up here. Because I'm going to pray here in a moment. And uh, if God begins doing something in your life where you know that you're holding back something that you know that you're supposed to risk and put on the line to be a faithful follower of God, um, I can't tell you how your life will change, how your spiritual faith journey will change, <laughs> and how you'll go to the next level in terms of your own faith journey if you identify what that is and you're willing to put it on the line. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you so much for the story, these stories of these three men who were just like us. They weren't anything special. And in fact, in many ways, um, they were more common than we are. God, they were less extraordinary than we are. They didn't have nearly all the, all the tools that we have in this day and age. And yet they were willing to risk something valuable to them 
to follow you, to get close to you, to come near to you. And in all three of these cases, whether it was Abel giving his sacrifice, whether it was Enoch giving um, away his own desires and what he wanted to do, God, or whether it was Noah being willing to risk and give up his reputation to follow in obedience to you, God, in all three cases, these men demonstrated great faith. And they demonstrated what life without a net is by a willingness to give up something that was valuable. And maybe you're here today and uh, God's been working on you. You even came in here today and, and God has been tugging at your heart and he's been just silently, quietly pleading with you to get rid of that thing that's a personal area of satisfaction or desire or reputation that you know that you need to give up so that you can become a person of of faith. You can be someone who is known just like these men were. People of faith. People that were faithful to God because of what he had done. And if you're here today and um, you're a Christ follower and you've been dealing with something or maybe even right now just in this place, just in the quietness of this room, the Holy Spirit is um, really revealing something that you need to pray through and you need help to pray through. Maybe there's something that God is telling you right now. It's time to risk that. It's time to put that on the line. It's time to stand up for your faith and to be bold. And it's time to die to that thing that you love so much that you know is getting in the way of you and your relationship with the Lord. Or maybe it's something that you know you're withholding from God because you want to keep it for yourself. And right now you just need some help and you need to pray through that. I want to encourage you to be so bold as to stand up during this next song and to come forward and pray here. Kneel down at the cross to my left and your right or to grab someone here Um, one of these prayer warriors that can take you in the back and and pray with and for you as we sing, as we worship um, let's pray and let's just ask God um, to do business with us on a personal level right now